Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down Talk Podcast. He is Chris Mauer. I am Tom Rivera. Oh, oh, whoops. Uh, maybe we should start over. I'm, I, am I not allowed to say the, the word the anymore without Ohio State's permission? We'll, we'll just, we'll bleep that part out. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, I'm sure they've already forgotten about it. Uh, have they though? It's, have they? They're the worst. Oh, gosh. Uh, make sure that you uh, ask Ohio State to use the word the if you have used it today. Um, make sure you send them some some money, something something along their way. Um, they're, of course, trying to get that trademarked. That's not what we're going to talk about that. No, we're about not at today, all. Uh, thankfully. We are going to talk uh, greatest teams of all time, something that was just all sorts of fun for you on Twitter the other day. Yeah, I had a great time. I know a lot of Florida <laughs> fans did not, but I had a great time. Uh, we are going to go through, as well, we're going to go through the SEC West Crystal Ball. We're going to do the SEC East next week, something special that we've had coming out, um, as, as we always do every August on Saturday Down South. I go through and I pick every single SEC game. Marler tells me why my picks for this specific <laughs> game is wrong. What, the, what did you, what, uh, there was one in particular, we'll get to it, never mind. There was one in particular, uh, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, we've got some uh, some fall camp updates as well. Nothing too, too major, but just a few things that we want to hit on, um, some current relevancy. And then, oh, we buried the lead. By the way, we're talking to Cash Daniel in a little bit. Uh, Straight cash, talking- homie. Straight cash, homie. Uh, you, I, to- I get into rabbit holes a lot of times when we start having to research or, or talk about different topics or we have different interviews and stuff. Like You know how my ADD is and, and how quickly I can get sidetracked. Man, you should have seen this rabbit hole last night. It, it was... Cash Daniel, Cash Daniel bio, then it was Cash Daniel Twitter, and then it became just me watching old wrestling uh, videos on YouTube for like 45 minutes to an hour. It was awesome. That's so the perfect you. way to prep for an interview like <laughs> yeah. that, though. Uh, it's been a little bit of a long time coming, so you know that's Future Us is going to know how that goes. We're recording that a little bit later. But before we get to all of that today in a very, very busy show... Got to tell you about our friends at Sweet Hop. Yes, Sweet Hop. I talked about them the other day. We talked about them a lot last season as well. And this is very relevant for what we have coming up with these neutral site games. Have you ever looked at the boxes uh, in the stadium and just kind of wondered how those folks snag seats so much better than yours? You look up and you're just like, oh my gosh, man, that's... That's the sweet life up there. On home turf, sitting in a suite is limited to university boosters and top alumni donors, but when your team is at a pro stadium, it's easy to book an exclusive experience for your friends or even as a company event. Sweet Hop is your resource for college games on the road or even your favorite NFL teams with the best sight lines in the stadium, protection from the weather outside, and catering brought directly to you, you'll never want to sit in regular seats again. You can kick off the 2019 season in style like a VIP and book a private suite for your group this fall. That's the sweet life, y'all. View availability and pricing at sweethop.com slash kickoff today. That's S-U-I-T-E hop.com slash Kickoff, Connor. You okay. know, I just want to say one thing about these these suites because I've I've been like very fortunate and lucky. I just like stumbled upon, like been able to to sit in a few of these. Like I did one at Bama because some guy came into Houston. He's like, "Hey, I'm not gonna be these this game next week. Heard you're a Bama fan. Take these tickets." And I was like, "Wonder where they are." And I couldn't find them on the map. And it was they were like in the suite. But the coolest thing about a suite is you ever go somewhere and you find out they have a whole other size of liquor bottles you you've never seen before. That's like, oh, it's it's an amazing discovery. When it's you ridiculous. Get to do that. Yeah. It's it is absolutely absurd. It's like when Disney reopens the vault, but with alcohol. It's it was, it, anyway. So yeah, get your get them sweet, y'all. We're talking greatest teams of all time, 
And it's something that Sports Illustrated brought up. Amazingly enough, they basically did like a quick like one paragraph blurb for each yeah. of these. Because they're doing, you know, college football and it's 150th year, so they're doing a bunch of these type of stories. And they I think wait it was until Ross... a week and a half before the season to start start doing all their peak offseason content of like, right. we're doing some top tens, y'all. We're Sports Illustrated. Like, this would have been good late June, something. Um, but, yeah, I think Ross Dellinger wrote all these little blurbs and then just got pelted for all these, even though he wasn't the one who came up with the rankings. Right. It, was the cr- it was the entire crew over there at Sports Illustrated. And they came up with the 10 greatest teams of all time without a ton of explanation. So I'll, I'll just run through those real quick, and then we'll get to some some opinions on that. Bama at 1, Ohio State 2, Michigan 3, Texas 4, USC 5, Notre Dame 6, Nebraska 7, Penn State 8, Tennessee 9, and Oklahoma at 10. Can I just say I kind of hate this discussion of the greatest teams of all time? Like, it just kind of bothers me. It's not the greatest teams. It's the greatest programs. Greatest. All right. My bad. My bad. You're right. You're right. I, I just don't think, I think you hate it because of because you don't want to look at the, the what, it's, what it's talking about. People, don't, people in general, I don't think, want to. People don't want to hear Tennessee is the number nine program of all time. It's not just that. It's that I think that. In sports, it's not just a college football thing. I think I think this way in basketball too. Whenever they discuss the goat debate, because yeah. it's it's so subjective. Because I I I'm just like saying MJ was the greatest player of his era. LeBron was the greatest player of his era. Maybe if you know you Kobe stands, you want to come in, chime in, talk about the 2000s sure. decade, whatever. But I like defining. I like defining eras, and I don't like getting right. into this discussion about where we're judging 60, 70 years of, of a sport that has changed so much, and the right. game has just changed a lot, especially in the last 20 years here in the 21st century. And so that I think the argument itself is a bit outdated. I realize, though, at the same time, that, of course, everybody's going to have opinions on this. And when right. you do have something like, oh, we have the most national championships of all time. We have the most wins of all time. We have the highest win percentage. I realize that people want to get into those arguments because it never ends. And I realize just because an era ends, this argument does not. So I, I just want to preface this whole thing by by saying that you are more into this, way more I, into this I, than I. No, I'm not. Like, I don't care who you think is – you said the other day I was I was grossly offended by you saying LSU is in the top three when you were on SC this morning. Talking about SEC teams of all time. And right. I said – I used the, the – I, I prefaced it by saying, you know, I, I, I weight heavily the modern era just because I think it's more difficult to win. And right. that's why I gave LSU and Florida more love. I didn't have a ton of time to think about it. I wasn't no, sitting there like, like digging through spot, numbers. Like that. It was on but the spot, so, so that's why I said that. Well, so – and I was grossly offended by it. But, and then going back and looking through actual stats, I was wrong. I was – I was more affected by the recency bias of why I don't think, and when I say recency bias, I mean of my lifetime, 33 years old, mm-hmm. of what I've seen from LSU. And I've, I've said this before, people forget how average LSU was before Saban got there. And we talked about it on the on the, uh, what do you call it, um, Adjustment More Adjustment episode. More. And, yep. and how, you know, they hadn't made a New Year's Day, they hadn't been, they hadn't won an SC championship in 15 years, hadn't been to even a New Year's Day bowl in 15 years, which I, that was surprising. I didn't know this, they had a losing record in eight of the 11 seasons before Saban. Eight. However, they're fourth all time in total wins in the SEC. I, yeah. I had no idea. I, what, I, don't, I don't care necessarily where people think their program should be. What I got so flabbergasted by and just dumbfounded was, here are the parameters. We're going to rank these teams from greatest of all time. And at the end of that sentence, what was said was, all time. And I had expressed in the Facebook Live several times last night because people started arguing after I said all time, what about since Missouri and, and A&M joined the conference, 
Tennessee is 17 and 39. So what all time means is like all all the time. Like you think of a little <laughs> bit of the time and then another little bit of the time, add those together, like all of it. Just all of the time that the your team has had a team. The total, the total all all time. The total every, of all the time. Every time that time happened, that right. is included in all Not time. Not yeah. 60% of the time, it works every time. 100% of all the time <laughs> is what we're looking at. And this is what was so frustrating because I was like, these Florida fans lost their mind. And you know what? I'll be honest. I gave them good reason because of what I said. But like, Uh-oh. you know, I mean, it, which is, I like, Florida fans had this, there were a couple, to be honest, that reached out and were like, I don't think you're always against Florida. I don't think you're out to get Florida. But some of the responses, it was so funny to see people go from, I I list out my 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 list, right? And there were two. Ooh, what teams. was your list? Do you ha- okay, do you yeah, know it off the top of your head? And I, I'm gonna say this. I I did this at like, eight thirty in the morning on Twitter without research and just like posted it. Okay, I was pretty damn impressed. With just myself. shooting from the hip. <laughs> just shooting from the hip. Well, I mean, just because like I'm not saying it in an arrogant way, but like I just. I feel like I have a pretty good knowledge. I'm going through all my notebooks here. Of course you wrote this down. <laughs> I, I, I'm going through all my, my – like, I feel like I have a pretty good knowledge of growing up with it in, in admittedly, an unhealthy, obsessed way with SEC football. So my list was this. Bama, Tennessee, UGA, Florida. And we'll get to that in a second. That's this is I just SEC up. teams, not yeah, yeah, national. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So different That's, from the sports social We should have prepped it. It's my fault. That, what, the greatest of all time nationally is what sparked the whole conversation. Right, exactly. So I had – Bama, Tennessee, UGA, Florida. Fifth, I had Auburn. Six, LSU. Seven, Arkansas. Then A&M, Ole Miss, Mizzou, Kentucky, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Vandy. I don't. I feel very strong and confident about where those teams are. Like, there's there's maybe one or two that I, that I should have had A&M ahead of Arkansas if you look at their whole body of work. And I maybe, maybe probably should have had LSU higher because I didn't realize how many total wins they had. Um... And so, yeah, so I, those two I, I think I probably messed up on. Where I think people really got upset with my rankings was not the fact that I had Florida fourth. It's the fact that I had Florida fourth behind Georgia at three. Right. And maybe even a little Tennessee at two. But it's mainly that whole Georgia. It, they just, both sides of these, of these fan bases, especially on social media, just see red. They just see absolute red and, and get, like, so pissed off. And, like, listen, I, <laughs> like, I, I get it. Like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. That's how I got this job. That's how I got into this. Totally get it. I think maybe as I've grown older, I feel like I've gotten a little bit more objective and just a little bit more reasonable. And I was shocked to see, like, when you would – I would post the, the rankings that you could say would be my opinion – and everyone was just telling me, you're wrong, you're stupid, this is the dumbest thing. I, I got made a meme in some Facebook group. Oh, said, cool. Like, there's dumbasses everywhere on, on the internet. And I was getting, I, I'm not a part of the group, so I'm getting tagged by friends. And I was like, cool, <laughs> awesome. So, and, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, you know, you make the point about Georgia fans, you know, or Florida fans, rather, are, are going to be upset by that. And they're, of course, the first thing that they're going to say is, hey, we won three national ta- championships totally. in the time that, that Georgia last won theirs in 1980, of course. Everybody knows about that. I, I look at, so like, with Florida, why Florida gets a little bit more of a, a benefit of the doubt for me is just because I think they're, so I actually broke this down, three teams down into like this 18-year stretch, like their best 18-year stretch in the yeah. modern era, which is basically... Like since the the 80s, you could even go since the start of you know since the start of Georgia just won the national championship in 1980. Um, in Florida's eight or I guess it's 19 season stretch 
It's just ridiculously good. From 91 to 2009. Totally I agree. Mean, 13 top 10 seasons, 8 conference titles, 3 national titles. and But at the same time. Dominant. So there's there's all of that. And then there's the comment that we heard at um, when we viewed the um, Saturdays in the South documentary when we were at SEC Media Days. And Laura Rutledge asked Steve Spurrier, you know, she, she says to Spurrier, she's like, you brought that swagger back to Florida. And then Spurrier says, back? I started it. Yeah. And you know what? Like, there's something to be said for that as well. And that's what Georgia fans are going to point to is like, okay, well, look how bad Florida was for this specific stretch. And that's why this this debate, though, is so difficult. Because it's- I think if you just look at, if you just look at, at, at stretches... You could you could make the case for you could make any sort of argument that you want, and it's just like oh, and this never did. really ends. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so and, and so this is where I, again, like, I went into this looking at like, here is all time, all the time, the total time, the total amount of the time, <laughs> and I didn't think like you look at Tennessee. Tennessee has been garbage this past five, six, seven years. Okay, eh, a little more than that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not not disagreeing with that at all. Like Tennessee, Derek Dooley says we've been bad for for longer than right. that. But. <laughs> but but like, there's no debating when you look at the total total like conference championships, total um, national championships. They have six national championships. Okay, like and I like what's frustrating to me is like I'm 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 presenting all of these facts from one site from one place. I'm not going. I'm not like grabbing from here to here to like to fit an argument. I I don't understand. Why people get so upset about facts? Like it, it was, it was, it was, it was. It would go from you're an idiot, your opinion is stupid, and then I would present the facts and just hear it. Like here's a picture of the of the stats, and then they would say, "You're just you just hate Florida." Like no, I don't. Right, right, no, right. I don't. Here's here's the problem though. So like, what are your what are your thoughts overall on Michigan? When Michigan fans flex their muscles and they talk oh. about their history, they, that's because so Michigan total te- wins. Yeah. Yeah. So like, okay, because the Michigan Tennessee thing is really really similar. Um, if you look at they both each have one national title in the last 50 years. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah, you might have all those other claimed national championships, but let's call it what it is. The game was much different way long ago, and this is nothing new. I mean, segregation basically changed the way that we talk about college football and the way that it was treated. And so for me, that's why I don't weigh that as as heavily in my mind when I hear about all these – these teams, you know, we joke all the time. Michigan beat a hardware store that week. Yeah, yeah. Um, for, how do they score 103 points? So, like, that's to me, I, you know, and I guess I'm, I'm a different way of thinking. But I think what this, what, what we both kind of believe is that, yes, while this is, while this argument is all the time, and it is technically all time thing, subconsciously or not, we're always going to give teams more love that won during the time that we grew up in college football and the time that we got exposure into the sport. Right. And that's that's really when we learned about the sport and we're like, oh, well, hey, if I started watching college football and LSU was bad, that's always going to be in the back of my mind of like, well, yeah. hey, once upon a time, you know, right. I, I saw what this was like when they were bad. And so that's why it's always going to be, no, this is what I grew up in. Let me tell you how bad it once was. Let me tell you how good it once was yeah. when I was growing up. Like that's just always going to be on the minds, and that's what's going to be dominate every single argument right. that's ever made. It's and, and for me, for me, I, I don't I agree with you, but I think it's it's partly that, and I think it's another part. And not saying it's more of this or, or less or whatever, but it's it's a mixture of both. It's yeah, you you are going to be like subconsciously biased about what like your time period of growing up and what you've seen with your own eyes, but also. You're inherently going to be biased towards your team, uh, obviously, no matter what. Like, it's just like people do not want to hear. Florida fans do not want to hear. This is what I got in trouble for yesterday. I, I made the comment. 
I said. Take away Springer and Urban, and what <laughs> do you got? Take away Springer and Urban, like, because, and what I meant by that, and I should have phrased it better, I guess, is before 1990, the rest of that program's history is not great. It's not, like, so if we're talking all time, it's not great. Like, yes, what they did under uh, under Urban and Spur is crazy good. And they were like, well, you can say that with anybody. Sure, I guess you can. But, but at other other programs, you don't see 85-year stretches where you don't have a 10-win season, which was then turned into this moron doesn't even understand. They didn't start playing more than 10 games in a season until the 70s, which is also not true because Florida's only played, I think, five seasons total of nine games or less. It, it's Yeah, it's, I, I wasn't trying to... Like take away from what Florida's accomplished. They're an incredible program. They like what they've done in the past thirty years. I would say is is the second greatest dynasty in, or program in in the country, guaranteed. I don't. I don't. They've dominated Georgia my entire lifetime. However, it's crazy to think that you haven't had a single ten win season in eighty five years when you were able to play hardware stores. <laughs> it's when uh, when you made that comment, I should have replied on Twitter. Um, just take away Phil Jackson from the Chicago Bulls. Sure. I mean, just like, like and, and what I'm saying is, that, but if you're if you're talking about all time, don't right, talk right. about how great your program is and how it's it's the best ever. It's better than Jordan's. But like, I'm giving you all the numbers. Here are all the numbers from all time, and they are. You know where they rank in, in all time wins? And I know that we don't like that stat. It's sixth out of 14 teams. You know what that is, Connor? That's average. That's what I said. It was if you take <laughs> away Urban and my take away Urban and Spurrier. They are an average program all time. And six out of 14, that's almost the definition of average. They're right in the middle. So many, there are going to be so many ones. No, I just, like, like, this Florida hate we already podcast. Got, we already got one that, that said something about how, like, if you're a Bama fan, you'll like it. Anyone else you want. It's like, and, of course, the Gator fan. It's like, I'm just, I'm just, I don't understand how we, if we talk the last 25 years, which we can also have that argument, Florida is way ahead of Georgia. There, I would, I would argue that, like, you talk about the national championships for Bama, and so you, you kind of, like, by default have to give them the win, but... It's more impressive the longevity of what Florida's done than what Bama's done over the past twenty-five years. Total wins-wise, like how more, how much more relevant they've been nationally. Bama hasn't. You look at the last twenty-five years. Bama is nothing without Saban. They are awful. They uh, they might have a, a overall losing record without Saban. How about a new rule? We're only allowed to debate what's happened in our lifetime. That would well, be. I, mean, cool. I would love sure. that. I know you would love it because, like, yeah, I I get it. But like at the same time, these are all simple. Simple Googleable stats, just like yeah. a simple Google search, y'all. I love I, I don't get Google it. stats, y'all. I just, I don't, I just don't get it. it. Like it's just so, it was, whatever. I, let's let's debate something else that um, really has no right answer because these are all predictions. Um, oh, by well, the way, real quick, the one the one guy who left us a review, I clicked on his name. The only other review he gave was for a Rush Limbaugh podcast in 2012. So I'm good. I'm good with that that three star review. On that note, <laughs> SEC West crystal ball. I've got a crystal ball in front of me. Sometimes it gets a little cloudy. Um, very oftentimes it gets a little bit cloudy, and I look into it and I try and shake it up and I try and do you? No, that's no, that's a that's a snow it's ball. A magic that you shake ball. up. Oh, yeah. Okay, you don't you don't <laughs> shake up a crystal ball. You just look into it. Uh, my bad. There's my first mistake. Um, so I want to go through. I'll go through order finish here. Got biggest upsets and then just some noteworthy things. I've every day we've had these coming out. Um, a new team every single day yeah. with a crystal ball for the for the upcoming season. We do this every single year. Um, so the West was the division that we did first, and all these are already out. So the the I'll say the I got the record here, and then you know order finish all that stuff. So I've got Bama finishing first, twelve and zero, 
eight and zero in the division. Yep, Homer, Homer, big time Homer. We just love Bam on this podcast. Um, LSU, LSU in second, ten and two overall, six and two in the SEC. Auburn third, nine and three with a five and three record in SEC play. Did not think I would do that, but just did. Um, A and M. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't think you would do that? <laughs> I didn't think like because when you do these crystal balls and like you kind of go through and you break down a lot of these matchups, you're like, oh, this team. I actually you were finding have, your own self d- throughout the process. <laughs> yeah, it just forces you to dig into it a little yeah. bit more, not and look at things a little bit more specifically. A and M. I have finishing fourth in the division, going seven and five overall, four and four on conference play, but they would have the tiebreaker ahead of Mississippi State, who, yes, believe it or not, I have finishing fifth in the division with an eight and four record, four and four record in conference play, and then Arkansas at sixth, uh, five and seven record, one and seven in conference play. Ole Miss pulling up the rear four and eight with a one and seven record in conference play. Don't hate me, Ole Miss fans. I love Oxford. When everybody was saying that that Oxford was one of the best college towns and that thing that came out this past week, I was all on board. I was like, yeah. Oxford is fantastic. Don't hate me, Ole Miss fans. And if you okay. guys are upset about his crystal ball predictions, just remember, last year on this podcast, I'm the idiot that said that Ole Miss could beat Bama. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's <laughs> not forget like 62 that. 62-7. to seven. Yeah, then you, you, you did pivot away from that take, though. Yeah, yeah that you was, did. I'll I was give you trying to make a hot take in the summer. That was a bad move, but we can just... I'm trying to help help out the pod. I blame it on the heat. Um, <laughs> it's hotter than blue blazes out here, y'all. <laughs> Some of us held on to that take a little bit longer than others. Yeah. Um, his initials start with uh, BS, and you may or may not have done some karaoke with him at SEC oh, Media Days. Anyways, do you have any big discrepancies with that order of finish or any of those... Any of those records, either oh, overall it's or almost exactly play. what I had, which is very frustrating. Um, oh, really? I just realized we're not going to do the the West, so it's like next week. I hope I hope Florida fans tune in next week when I do a crystal ball and and let them know they're going to go ten and two, and you guys get off my back. But oh, nice um, damage control here. Um, <laughs> SEC West stuff. So yeah, I, I I've said this before, and I'm not trying to be a homer. The LSU game, I've I've said it doesn't scare me out of uh, ignorance and arrogance. Mm-hmm. Um, it does scare me more so than ever, and, and possibly because my own insecurities of where we're going to be for that that game, um, which we have a, a special announcement later on we'll make. Not today, but um, I, Bama's not going to lose this year, in my opinion. I think they're going to have the revenge tour thing. They're not going to lose in the regular season, I wouldn't think. The schedule's just too easy. It's just too easy. Uh, it's pathetic. Um, so 12-0, I have them going 12-0. I do have LSU finishing... Uh, second in the SEC West. I, so, copycat. This, yeah, um, I, I I put these in the when we did our predicted order finish for what do you call it? Oh, what I know, it I know. Um, it's hard to find. It's hard to find their losses on there, but it just seems like they they're always good for one. You know, like they like they could lose to like an Auburn. They could well, they didn't last year obviously, but they could lose like A and M stuff like that. I I have them going a uh, ten and two, but I but like. I feel like it could be easily eleven and one. Like I, I, I want to say, I want to say eleven and one. To be honest, I think they're going to be really, really good this year, and mainly because Orgeron's going to be helping out with the D line. As as we learned from uh, from Dari, have you watched any of the video Dari, of that? Oh, the, of him helping out up front. It, like they have him mic'd up pretty much every practice, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's him, him shouting nonsense. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I think they're going to be very, very much improved. So I, I could say eleven and one, but that's just. Going to Texas Week Two, all that kind of stuff. I, I'll say ten and two. Um, I this one's tough. I have Auburn at three. You know, here here's here's the deal on this, and we didn't we didn't uh, put this in the Google Doc, but 
recently we talked about last week with like the the line movements in those games. Mm-hmm. There's been line movements that have happened in team win totals. Um as well in the SEC. And I think only two teams uh, had positive changes, which was um, South Carolina and Mizzou. No, no, I'm sorry, Mizzou and Kentucky. But Vegas obviously favors Auburn a lot, as you can tell by some of the line moves. And the favors for, uh, or the odds for their um, over for the team win total has changed in their favor a lot as well. So I like Auburn. I don't know about nine and three, man. I got, I got them at eight and four. Okay, so if they go. If they go nine and three with this team, it's the the Gus Malzahn talk. I mean, in my opinion, if they go nine and three with the schedule, five and three in conference play, and oh by the way, that's my one of my big upsets that I have in these crystal balls. I have Auburn beating Georgia. I have them handing Georgia its only regular season loss. <laughs> not not quite what we saw two years ago. Not quite that. That's but at at Jordan Hare, explain like, why. Just, so. Georgia's offensive line, I think, is just going to dominate like almost every single time it steps yeah. on the field. I think that on a weekly basis, they're going to get so used to seeing that push up front. And against Auburn's defensive line, I think that's the only team that could really, really match up with them on Georgia's regular season schedule. And I think that once they're not getting that push, and that's just that's just a different, that's just a totally different element when you don't have that that push up front, obviously. Yeah. And I think Auburn actually matches up pretty well with them from that standpoint, just because I think Auburn's got the best defensive line in the country. I think Georgia's got the best offensive line in the country. And I think that Auburn home field advantage kind of cancels that out with Georgia a little bit. Georgia's is great and as dominant as they've been. They've always been so, you know, susceptible to that one like kind of mid-season just yeah. dud, whatever it is, kind of figure it out after that. But I think that that's the game that I would see them losing. And I, I think that the more I looked at Auburn, we're going to get to a comment here uh, that Booby Whitlow made. I'm not quite at the levels that he's at, but I also am kind of looking at their their team and thinking they're just going to be so much better in the trenches. And I think they're going to have such such a, such one. a more clear identity. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I th- so I think that's going to help them out a lot, with especially with these these young quarterbacks. So, yeah, yeah that's why I have them having a, a really solid season just, with a tough schedule this year, too. I, I That was a lot. I just thought you were going to say because they had to play Florida-Mizzou and then, yeah, that's and then Auburn. <laughs> um, yeah. But, you know, so, I mean, I, I, you know what? Nine wins is, is very reachable, honestly. I, I just worry about, like, that game at Florida early on because I feel like Florida's going to be undefeated going to that game and, and they're going to have a lot of confidence. And it's a home game, and you got a freshman quarterback – and I understand it's going to be, what here, the fifth, no, sixth game of the season. It's still a freshman quarterback. It's going to be in the swamp. That could be a night game. or I know, have Florida winning that game. Yeah, it's, I, I just think that, that that home field advantage is going to be, you know, I, I think it's going to come in to play a lot. Um, I don't see them beating LSU on the road at all. No, I don't either. Um, and I and don't then Bama, see them beating, those are the three losses. Yeah, that like, I I, they could easily beat Georgia. That, that rivalry is, is one of the, we all know it's my favorite rivalry, but it's also one of the closest <laughs> closest rivalries like you look at the all-time record the all-time record <laughs> all the it's, time it's, it's all the time it's almost exactly like i'm pretty sure it's almost like dead even um i don't they could they could win that game but it's weird because like georgia we think is one of the top three teams in the country and i think you're right i could i would i would see auburn beating georgia more than i would see auburn beating lsu or florida yeah, you know, and that's exactly what I had predicted. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with you. So on that. <laughs> not good. I was, um, I was waiting for you to, to compliment me on the fact that I have Mississippi State finishing fifth. In I the so I'm shocked. Okay. Yeah. Th- good let job. Me explain, let me explain some of this. You know how many Mississippi, how many ten win seasons Mississippi State has in their history? Shh. Quiet, no, hold on. You have, it's three, and they they had one before 1990. Just want to throw that out there. Just, all, right. all the time, all the time. 
You literally just spit out whatever you're drinking. It's on my notebook too, you idiot. <laughs> That'll teach you to use a computer. Um, so yes, I, I have Mississippi State going eight and four and having a chance for you know a ninth win, like pretty relatively similar to last year, but with it just a completely different identity. Offense does more of the heavy lifting this year. Yeah. I think Tommy Stevens is the guy. I think that they have moments. I think they have moments where they look really, really good in a given game. I have them pulling off one of the biggest upsets. What would be one of the biggest upsets in the regular season? I have them beating LSU, and that's that's to me that like a lot of people are going to look at that and they're going to say, "Man, there was it was a Man, joke that last is year." Stupid. That is stupid. Uh, Ross, no. Ross. Um, <laughs> what we did? What so like last year? Just looking at that game and the what was it? Five interceptions that Nick Fitzgerald threw. Whatever Wait, it hold was. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Did I, what did you? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, that is stupid. Yeah, um, go on. So, so and to me, like this is just—it's going to be one of those games where I think LSU is going to come into that game undefeated, and I think they're going to come in with all this momentum. And I think they have a tough stretch coming in there. I'm blanking on what LSU has like right before it. Before but I think State, it, they got Florida at home and they got Auburn after it. Right, right. So it's not so, a bad. I mean, I get that sandwich game. I, and I think MSU is able to is able to run. I think that home that home field advantage for them is just is, is tremendous. And I think they they win one of these down to the wire type games that yeah. kind of. You know, makes everybody kind of rethink. Oh, you know, where you know this, this week was wild. It's, it just ends up being one of those weeks. And I think that MSU actually gets to like number ten in the country after that <laughs> after that win. But then here's here's where it all falls apart. Right. So they can get to like number ten in the country, which isn't that crazy. I think they got up to like yeah. where they get up to like number fourteen last year or something like that. Yeah. So it's not saying that much. Um, but then I think they go two and three down the stretch. Yeah. And I think, as I said earlier, and I've alluded to this. You think go two th- and three down the stretch. So two and three down the stretch. They have because they have Bama and A and M, and then yeah, and they have but and then, and then they have Ole Miss and Ole Miss at home. So though. I so I have them losing to Ole Miss. <laughs> That's the one that we we talked about with the spreads last week yeah. about how I said I would take Ole Miss and seventeen yeah. points against Mississippi State. You said it when it was at thirteen. Yeah, I so I'll, I'll stand by that. I just think weird things happen in the Egg Bowl. That's I don't think Ole Miss is it, the, yeah. I don't think Ole Miss is the better team, but I just think that they get fired up for that one. They actually treat it like it's their Super Bowl, and a young team gets yeah. better down the stretch for them. And maybe maybe they're playing for Matt Luke's job for all we know at that point. That's another thing so that could be thrown in there. On purpose. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I think a young team just shows up and sparks. So that those That's are fair. the. The surprising things, and then I think you know, I, I think Mississippi State's going to finish kind of, you know, in the same same point going into the postseason the way that they did last year. I think that the division itself will have five teams ranked in the top twenty-five going yeah. into bowl season. You know, the one thing you didn't say about the Ole Miss thing, I think it's a good point. Um, to or it's it's worth bringing up is, that, like, I know ESPN FBI has them predicted to win six wins. That that Mississippi State game. They, if they're five and six, that game could also depend on them going to a bowl, Just which, mean a as lot, we yeah. know from this offseason, would mean a lot to that program. Um, yeah, I, so I, I have them fifth, too. I have AM fourth. AM, as I've said several times, I think has the, the toughest schedule in the country. And again, Mississippi State, the eight win thing is crazy to me because the team total, their, their, their team total moved down a half game from Vegas from eight and a half to eight, which I thought was crazy that it was at eight and a half you know, to begin with. But obviously Vegas has something we don't know. I mean, they, they, they're going to start out with losing to Lafayette, Southern Miss, Kansas State, and Kentucky at home. It's a favorable start. That's a favorable start. And then they got, you know, at Auburn. Like I, so I had them originally losing to Tennessee, but I, I think I would rethink that looking at the schedule because, you know, Tennessee is going to be coming off. They, they have, they're coming off the Georgia game, at, which is at home this year. Yeah, it's at home. And then they have Bama right after it. So I don't think they're going to be looking ahead necessarily. But at the same time, Mississippi State has a bye week before that. Yep. So that, that's, they, they do a very favorable schedule. I'm just looking at when you get to the meat of it. They're not beating Auburn at Auburn. 
They're not beating A&M right. at A&M. Um, right. You know, and we'll see the rest. Like, I, I could see them going, honestly, I could see them going 8-4, and 9-3, but in the, in the, well, I don't know, we'll see. They're, they're, they'll lose one game on the, uh, that's, like, up in the air. Because because here's, here's the biggest thing. The reason why I have A&M above Mississippi State, Mississippi State, I know you're high on Moorhead. I Which love I Moorhead. do, too, by the way. Let the record show. Yeah, yeah, that, he, like, he, I have them both going 4-4, four um, four, but A&M with the tiebreaker. Yeah. But I have, I have them, I have them, like, going way hard, like harder than Connor does. So just there, there's that. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, no, but like the thing with like we, I love Mississippi. I love the whole thing with Moorhead, and you've done like an awesome job of like cultivating like that relationship. And and Kylan Hill. If you don't like Kylan Hill, then we can't be friends. But the bottom line is, and and this may just come from me being biased from either looking at all the time of their history or just the recent history. I just think it's going to be very hard for Bob Shoup and that defense to replace two generational type guys that are first round draft picks with Simmons and, and Sweat. And because I've never seen Mississippi State, Mississippi State had three people drafted in the first round off that defense. That's not, they've never had three people drafted in the first round in their entire history. That's that's such an impressive stat, but it's like, how do you replace that? Yeah. Um, the way to beat them this year, I think, will be running right at them. I think that their yeah. I think their pass coverage is going to be really really good. Their secondary is good. Have, their secondary is good. Errol Thompson. Errol Thompson. I, I've said repeatedly, I think is as good of a cover yeah. linebacker as there is in the country. Yeah, I mean, their back seven is is great. That up front, they're they're going to struggle. And as we said, the same thing with Auburn. We did this in the ranking trench or in the trenches rankings earlier this offseason about combining the offensive line, defensive line uh, unit rankings. Yep. I, I think they're going to struggle with that. But A and M, see, this is one of those seasons we've talked about it last year with LSU, where we we were worried that like, man, LSU seems like one of those teams that can get streaky, where it, it can it can go sideways quick, or you could be building off this momentum. And A and M going to Clemson in week two, I don't. That's a loss. And then and then having Auburn at home. I feel like they can beat Auburn, but going to that, I don't see him beating Bama and and that the end of that schedule with South Carolina, Georgia, and LSU. The A&M Crystal Ball is was not fun. It was no. not fun because I actually think that they could be better this year, and I have them projected to win seven games in the regular right, season just because right. of how difficult that schedule is. And you're like year two of Jimbo. I mean, yeah, you, you're, it's, you, it's brutal. You look at you look at and, and I said this last year. You know, honestly, maybe Mississippi State does finish ahead of A&M. I, like we said this last year. About um, you know you talk about like Kirby his first year he he loses to all of Georgia's rivals all the time rivals with like Florida Tech and and Tennessee and whoever else Auburn um, no they beat Auburn but anyway like they lose five games the second years when they show the most improvement same thing with Saban in his first two years year two is when you see a, a pretty big pretty big improvement and he's got Kellen Mond as one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC and and an underrated defensive line and some and a really underrated receiving core. But Jesus, that schedule is a nightmare. That's the thing, though. I think it's just I think it's more difficult to do that in the West than it is in the East. I think when Kirby was doing it in year two, you know, yeah. not to say not to say that like they didn't earn it what say they got, it. but I mean, I, I just think that it's it's they're they're in a different place. They're I think their roster is still a year or two away from being this this loaded group where we talking about right. we're talking about them in the same light maybe that we're talking about Georgia. But yeah, and it's uh, gonna get there with those those resources. Yeah, I think so too. But, but I mean, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. It's like. You know, you talk about like Missouri, how like the front end and Mississippi State, like the front end of their schedule seems pretty easy, but the back end is like, oh god, yeah. uh, what do we do here? But like, there's just A and M's, just the whole damn thing. It's just, it's so bad. Just murderers row. Just at, at Georgia and at LSU to close out the season. So yeah, I I, I have A and M. I agree with you, man. Like, they're gonna go seven and five, and and at best, at best, go eight and four, and still be one of the more improved teams in the country. And <laughs> so. yeah, and for for what it's worth, I, and this is. I say this all the time, and but it needs to be said again, especially as we do these preseason predictions and all that stuff. 
where a team starts the season is not where you think that they're going to finish. So right. I, I'll, like, if, if anybody says like, oh, you think A&M is seven and five, yeah, but at the same time, I think they should be like a top 15 team to start the right. country. <laughs> and I could also say that about Auburn too, that you know, I've been saying all off season, I, I didn't think Auburn deserved to start in the top 25 just because they were three and five in conference play last year and they're starting a first year quarterback, a, a either a true freshman or a redshirt freshman at quarterback. And that's just such a big unknown for them. So. Yeah. I, but at the same time, you can also project these things and say, okay, well, I think these guys are going to get better. I think this team is going to run into a brutal schedule. Strength of schedule should not have any factor whatsoever Before in a season, preseason ranking. You're so it's, right about that. no way that it should – and if it does, you're doing this wrong. Yeah, agreed. And, guys, here's the thing, too. You know, I just realized maybe we should have known those damn all-time rankings to start off the show because <laughs> this whole thing is us predicting all the teams and not saying things that are always nice. Like, right. here's the thing, guys. Like, firsthand – we're going to be, I know I, I cling on to that whole prediction of Clemson winning the national championship, but guaranteed we're going to be wrong about some, a majority or all of these predictions. Like, this is just preseason. We're, I, just don't be mad is what we're saying. And, Stop and these, being mad at us. And a lot of these, like, these are subjects to change. Like, if obviously, if something happens, if Kellen Mond goes down with a season-ending oh, injury man. in week one, yeah, yeah, my predictions for A&M are going to change throughout the season. Like, that's just the way these things work. Things happen. Yeah, I mean, Sorry. True. No, Kellen Mond, you're good. Um, clean bill of health. I, yeah. I send it well, your I mean, way. Well, we hope everyone has a healthy season. But it is it, those things do, you know, kind of sneak up on you. And, like, who knows, man? Like, like Bama, Bama has uh, they've had a rash of injuries at, at, at running back and, and linebacker. So, anyway, let's get to the the fun stuff here. Arkansas uh, and Ole Miss. <laughs> so I'm shocked that you had this, and I, I put this at, when we did our SEC predictions for media days. I had this exact same order, and I thought people were going to call me stupid, and they didn't to my face. But um, <laughs> Arkansas at five and seven, I agree with. Now, what worries me is Arkansas had. Um, they they had the biggest drop in game uh, in total of team win total. They went from six six wins uh, from Vegas to five, which oh is cause for That's concern. But I I I still like I'm I don't want to say I have faith in Chad Morris because I he hasn't earned that yet. Trust is something you earn, Chad. Um, uh, Chad. Oh yeah, right. You know what? His name's Chad. He's got it. You know what? He's at the bottom. Let's just put Ole Miss back on top. No, I, I, I do think, and I thought, I thought this was like going out of limb and saying it, but you also have it too. I, I have Arkansas beating Ole Miss in week two. I do too. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, just because I think the Ole Miss offense is, is just like I've said throughout the offseason, it's just so young. It's it is so, so young, young. And, and they, they lost so much. They lost so much production off last year, and like. I mean, do you think do you think about? Uh, I can't even. Was it Moncrief that was out for most of the year last year? Rakeem Boyd. Moncrief is like, hold on, Mon, that's that's a very dated reference. Hold are on. Are you talking Arkansas running? Or are you I'm talking, talking Ole Miss receivers? Oh, you're talking DK Metcalf. D, no, he was he he was he was who was out like for most of the year last year? AJ. I mean, so I'm thinking I'm thinking of uh, was it AJ Brown? He played for most of the year. Because Metcalf was out, and it, like you could lose a guy like that for most of the season, and you didn't even notice it because you have a guy like AJ Brown on the outside who's getting like he has like twelve, thirteen hundred yards receiving. Um, I don't know if any of those stats are correct, Connor, but anyway, regardless, what I'm trying to say is they have to replace so much, and I think Matt Corral is going to be one of the most exciting players, young players at least in the conference, especially the division. Demarcus Lodge, that's who you were thinking. That's of, right? who I'm thinking of. Thank yeah, you, man. You Moncrief is a very dated. Yeah, reference. that was a Sorry, dated guys. reference. Um, so, but no, I mean, yeah, like. I just, they don't have, 
anything around him. And I'm excited to see. I love Scotty Phillips. I think he's very underrated. But I don't know how that offensive line is going to be. And I, and I, I, I can't wait to see Jerry Neely. But they're just they're very young. I think in the long run, if these having two former head coaches, I think is going to help Matt Luke. Um, but early in the season, they're going to have a lot of stuff they got to start figuring out. I think it's going to be one of those cases where they're going to get stronger late uh, for Ole Miss. That's why I have them at the very bottom. I've had them finishing last in the uh, in the conference. I have them going three and nine. Let's go to so, some fall. Did, can we go to some fall camp updates? I feel like if absolutely we, not. If I got we about twenty more minutes of this. I want to talk about, and then I, <laughs> I want to get back into the uh, all-time rankings. So go, go ahead. Um, everybody's going twelve and zero. Don't worry about it. Everybody's got a clean bill of health this year. You're all going undefeated. Don't worry. You know about what I just realized, Connor? This is this is where we start getting like like this offseason has been so great. We've been able to like kind of build and grow the podcast and have a lot of fun like and get like to know our audience well. But I just realized now it's the season, so we have to say things that might hurt feelings. Or, you know, or be wrong about Talking stuff. season's over. It's, Talking I know. Season. Well, actually, it's not, because what Booby Whitlow said, the, the Auburn running back, uh, you would think it's still talking season. It definitely still is, according to him, because he said, RBU is back, which, you know, all right, mm. confident in your, your position yeah. group. I get that. But he also went on to say that he thinks Auburn has the best offensive line, defensive line, receivers, cornerbacks, and quarterbacks in the country. You went, so, see, that, you went, that's where you went too far. Shots fired at the Auburn linebackers and safeties. Yeah, get, right. Get a little better. <laughs> Tight ends, you know, you, you guys got to put in some work. Um, I do I do buy the belief that Auburn's run game is going to be better. Yeah. Last year, of course, the streak of nine straight 1,000-yard rushers came to an end. Whitlow was the, the team's leading rusher with 787. But uh, we're talking mm. about a team that was number 68 in the country in rushing. To say RBU is back is like, well... Maybe you should like have a few hundred yard games before you say that. I don't know. That's to me like I, I just I, I don't like as much the the preseason confidence to say like oh it's one thing to say we're going to be better. I think last year was an anomaly, but to say like RBU is back. Eh, I mean, there were games last year that they were so embarrassingly bad, and and I don't have the stats in front of me. And, and after what just happened with me trying to say Ole Miss receiver names, I don't want to get into it too much. <laughs> um, but like they they were they were eleven hundred yards. Uh, below some of the past years they had with with Malzahn, eleven hundred. I mean, like that's like the staple of Malzahn's offense. We, you know, it is the run game. It is it is being able to. You are like the pass is only only advantageous for that offense when the run game is is working. And last year we saw some like we saw some games that were just like they were held under hundred yards. It was bad. It was bad for, for significant stretches of, of last season. Part of that's the offensive line play. Yeah, you can make the argument part of it is just the fact that they were very young at the tailback position. Just yeah. didn't really have that guy. Struggled to replace on Johnson, no doubt. But this is a team that I still think, when you look at the returners on the offensive line, yeah, I, I do think they're going to get back to their identity more. I think having a quarterback who wants to run and is and is capable and that's natural for them i think that's going to help yeah. Malzahn's offense so i realize that quarterback running isn't rbu is back but yeah the replies on that uh that story from georgia fans were were just great i loved them um i think in the last 30 years uh <laughs> all the time all the time <laughs> no it's, it's i just i the rbu thing i don't give a cra- i don't give a blank about that um and the O-line, D-line, I'm not going to argue that. I, but what I would say is the uh, the QBs, receivers, and cornerbacks, that's where it was like, oh, drunk uncle got a little bit out of, out of control, got a little loose in the lips. Speaking of drunk uncle, there's going to be some drunk uncles at Vandy this year because Vandy is officially winning and boozing. Vandy <laughs> has alcohol available for general seating 
in, in the stadium. Georgia fans have got to be just super fired up about this. Not only do they get to go to Nashville week one, but they're like, LSU fans, dude. Oh, good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, week, that's, week four that is, right? Yeah, I think week four. They're not going to have to wait for long. That's going to be. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's – so, like, okay, yeah, LSU a little banged up. I just saw some of the notes. Oh, never mind. So, I, I, so you, your next topic, it says LSU a little banged up, and I thought you meant drunk. Um, <laughs> I, I like. I want you know. I want to say this now, and I'm the the Vandy thing. I I want to tweet last night when I saw this because it's like it's you know it's Vandy, so you poke fun at them. They're they're kind of like the, the littlest of all of our brothers, and uh, you know it's when they said alcohol sales, the first thought I had was just these dudes, these just white dudes named like Tanner coming down with like a sweater draped over their shoulders for some stupid ass reason, and and just like with a glass of wine, like. Yes, we are here for the game today, and just sipping a Pinot Grigio throughout the first quarter. That's what I think of when I think Vandy drinking. But I didn't. I didn't say it because it's. Uh, you're back. Um, it's it's uh, like the, they're, you're using all the funding to like to fund projects or all the profits to fund projects for their exactly. stadium, which I thought was, I thought that was really cool. They're directly trying to like, hey, let's grow this thing. Let's let's stop having such like a 1930s lower bowl in, in downtown Nashville. But um, LSU fans, I want you to listen up. I want you to listen good. Uh, you went to Syracuse in 2015, and you drank that town dry. That actually happened. You drink, drink them out of alcohol. That's almost impossible. Nashville is a whole nother level, man. I want you guys out to do yourselves. I want you to drink Nashville dry. Oh, I thought you were going to say pace yourself, but you went. No, absolutely not. Direction. When have I yeah. ever said that? Good point. Good point. LSU uh, players, not fans, are a little bit banged up to, to start the year. <laughs> but. Uh, I think LSU fans kind of saw this and might have freaked out a little bit. Joe Burrow missed a practice the other day, but then he came back, and then he yeah. was talking about how he wanted to play on kickoff return when he was at Ohio State. And LSU fans were like, oh, I love this guy. He's the best. Yeah, he's so likable. Um, and then we also saw, though, that on Tuesday, Christian Fulton, Clyde Edwards-Elair, and Grant Delpit did not practice. Um, Caleb Von Chasen, am I saying his name right? I don't know if I'm saying his name right. He, he missed all of last season because he Every- got hurt in that opener. Every um, time you ask if if you're pronouncing someone's name right, I get confused as to why you think I would know. Good point. Good point. But they were all absent on Tuesday. <laughs> Demarcus Lodge and Moncrief don't so sound bad. alike at all. Um, Elon Manning throwing passes out there, you crazy a hole. <laughs> this is probably going to be old news by the time that this comes out, and yeah. a lot of these guys maybe they'll be back or whatever. There there hasn't been that much made about what's going on with these guys. But is there any concern about a top potential top five team? Being banged up at some key spots going into the season. No, I mean I don't. I don't. Well, ba- I mean Bama. There's cause for concern with that because those are season-ending injuries, though. Yeah. Bit, bit um. But no, these these I don't. I don't think so. Honestly, I think at this point, college football is is. It's not you get you get so many. You don't have that many practices. You only get like what twenty hours a week. But you have this whole summer where they're doing like stuff on their own, and they're obviously they're not organized, but they're not not organized practices. I just feel like we're getting to, like, especially game-wise, you're getting to something similar to the NFL preseason where you're going to hold out some guys. And you're right. like, the black non, non-contact jersey doesn't really do it. Like, we don't need to see Joe Burrow, you know, like behind center. Or, like, let some other guys get some reps, keep everyone healthy, no tackling to the ground. Like, that's not, that's not being soft. That's, you got a 12-game season coming up. So. Probably a smart thing. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, Jonathan Abram and, and Hard Knocks. I don't know if you saw that, but he couldn't dude, say just salmon. Like, he's just, yeah, salmon? How do you say it? God. 
Salmon's nice so good, PTSD by the way. I love some salmon. Yeah, uh, Jonathan Abram just like decking dudes in Raiders camp. Yeah, Gruden, even when when Gruden's telling you to, to just chill out, man. Yeah, like, yeah, that's you, a good Gruden. I've been workshopping that one as well. Do that again. Um, just chill out, man. That's still good. Okay. That, right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, we wanted to make that part of the. Co- no, we won't. We won't circle back to that unless rumors of him going to Tennessee come up again. In which case, we'll we'll, we'll circle back to John Gruden invitations. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think that a lot of this, too, it freaks out fans, don't get me wrong. And it, if I was a fan, I'd probably be like, oh, why, yeah. why aren't they practicing? Why aren't they playing? But I think this is just, we're, we're more and more protective than ever, especially in fall camp with these proven guys. If it's anything that that you're like, okay, you got a hamstring that's a little bit little bit tight today, it's, yeah. you know, what's the point? These guys know know the drill. They know the reps. You don't have to, you know, sit there and, and force them to play through things in fall camp. Right. Agreed. Um, so this isn't an SEC fall camp update, but... It is an update that SEC fans will take interest in. Tate Martell is back at practice after missing on Monday. Um, he didn't I have enter, enter the transfer portal. He has not entered the transfer portal, allegedly, yet. Uh, if, if he did, we're, we're going to know about that in two seconds. Yeah. Uh, Cole Kubelik is sitting there just like, refresh, refresh, refresh. Right, right. <laughs> um, I have a theory on Tate Martell and the viral picture of the nameplate, his Miami nameplate, that was like on the ground in the locker room or wherever it was, and he's, yeah. it was like R.I.P. the dream. Um, whether that was photoshopped or not, I don't know. Whatever. Um, but my theory is that the nameplate was on the ground like that because Tate Martell was upset that they wouldn't call him Tathan, so he's like, I need a new name tag. <laughs> this one sucks. They won't start me. They my won't call me Tathan. by my full name. Yeah. So respect I just, there. I'll, whenever I hear whenever I hear the name Tathan, all I can think of is like, I don't know, like. Some like douchebag with like like frosted tips, like trying to drag race a Mitsubishi Eclipse in like 2003, or him sitting in the corner of the locker room with like a juice box, being like, "I'm no, I'm not leaving until you call me Tathan." That's a strong name. That's a very very strong name. Uh, Tathan Martell in the transfer portal. I look forward to maybe oh, seeing God. that. Um, we'll see. Okay. Let's kick it to our interview with somebody who's been just long overdue to come on this podcast. The man, the myth. The legend, Cash Daniel, everybody. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Kentucky linebacker slash legend, Cash Daniel. Uh, Cash, I feel like every time you walk into a room or you step out onto a field or even when you pick up a phone, you should probably have some sort of WWE intro music. What would be your walk-up slash entrance song? Well, I mean, if he would if he would let me use it, obviously I'd just use Stone Cold song, you know, with the glass shattering. And everything. <laughs> Boom. You know, if I, if I couldn't use it though, man, I mean, you know, I don't know, probably to some, so probably into the void by Black Sabbath. Cash, Ooh, that's a good one. But Connor, we talked about this when it was media days, real quick. When you you were late to the main room a little bit um, on at media days, and I was like, please God, tell me I'm going to hear glass break, and Cash just walks in making an interest. That would have been <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that would have been, that would have been uh, pretty cool if it did that. Uh, so if you need a couple guys to kind of walk beside you with boom boxes to make your presence felt pretty much everywhere you go, just just hit us up. We'll uh, we'll send you our resumes. We're pretty good at that. We'll uh, take yeah, care of that for you. Yeah, uh, yeah that would be good. <laughs> so uh, everybody's been asking you this offseason about the, the disrespect card that Kentucky's been getting. Phil Steele didn't have you guys going to a bowl game. I, however, had you guys winning eight games to the regular season. So you, you called Smart media man. members who doubt Kentucky. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So you called media members who doubt Kentucky uh, a certain word. By your standards of how you evaluate media members, where do I stand besides just being smart? Is there anything else you, nice you could say about me? 
Yeah, I got I got nothing but nice things to say about you, man. You know, the, the, that whole thing was just, you know, it was just a thing for me to, you know, make a joke about and try to laugh it off and everything like that. But, yeah, you guys are cool. You know, you guys are up there, you know, with uh, with Big Cat and PFT and the part of my take, guys. I'm not, I'm not going to throw any shade at you Ooh. guys. I'm framing that that quote. Thank you. Love it. <laughs> um, Cash Connor mentioned the word standard, and it seems like there's obviously been a new standard set for the Kentucky football program. Describe how you've seen that change during your time in Lexington, and like maybe the difference between where the perception of the program is versus where the reality is. Uh, you know, when uh, when I first got in here, you know, it was still a, a relatively, uh, if you think about it from a uh, <clears throat> from a broader span perspective. Uh, it was still really a new program under Coach Stoops, you know, when I first got in there. Not brand new, but, you know, it was still, you know, kind of new. And he was still, you know, just trying to find a, find a uh, an identity as a team, you know, with him trying to bring certain guys in and, uh, you know, just try to put, you know, consistency out there for, you know, BBN to be proud of. And uh, all I've seen since I've been here, you know, is just forward progress, you know, and steps, you know, that Coach Stoops has – you know, laid a foundation down for us, and each year we just keep building off and off and off it. And, uh, you know, so to be playing for a guy like that, you know, that comes in and expects each year, you know, to be taken up to another notch or the next level, you know, that's pretty exciting. So um, for everybody that, you know, that thinks we're not going to take, you know, this next step, that's okay. You know, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and get, you know, get tore up of people saying we're not going to win anymore. But, uh so you know we're just going to, we're just going to come out and do our just come out and play our game, man. You know we uh, each year, like I said, I've been here. You know it's been a stepping stone toward building a program, not just a you know two or three year good team. So I'm glad you brought that up. You know we we had Stoops on earlier in the off season, and you know <laughs> kind of he kind of talked about that as well. Another thing that he that he talked about was. You know, he was blown away by how many guys have tattoos now because he's he worries like, oh, like how are you going to get a job after football? And I I think we almost talked him into getting an arm sleeve. Um, we we came really close on that. You have tattoos. I'm I'm going to put you on the spot here, but if you could give Stoops a tattoo, what and where would it be? I would probably give Coach Stoops the. I don't know, man. I probably just have to get him the Saturday Down South symbol right on his right on his box. Ah, oh, I've been saying it. I've been saying it. Love it. <laughs> That'd be perfect. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Um, we'll bring that. Cash, so you you were a quarterback in high school, which I didn't know this. Um, but you know, is there as you have you ever dropped a hint to Coach Stoops to put you back there? Because I feel like you know we don't see it as much anymore. But that whole like old Tebow fourth and one, you know, just snapped ball to me and we're getting the first down. I feel like. That's a guaranteed first down with you behind center. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've, I've kind of joked around, you know, with Coach Henshaw and Coach Grant saying, you know, I'm the sixth-string quarterback, and if they ever need me, you know, for anything, <laughs> just to put me in. But actually, you know, after my, after my freshman year, you know, we made a, a great decision uh, in our program with bringing on, you know, Dean Hood as our special teams coordinator. And at that time, he was our outside linebacker's coach before Coach White got here, but now – He's our special teams coordinator and also now works with our safety since Coach White's outside linebacker's coach now. But uh, with, how Coach, with, with Coach Hood, I've known Coach Hood uh, most of my life. He, uh, he recruited my cousin Scott uh, when he was a head coach at, at Eastern Kentucky University, played wide receiver for him, and he recruited me there uh, before he ultimately left to go to UNC Charlotte. Uh, so we, we got him on staff, and uh, when I first, you know, 
got to start talking to him again. Me and him have a great relationship, and he told me he was going to put me at the quarterback position for punting. Yes. And right when he said quarterback, yes. I got my, my ears perked up, my eyes got real wide. I was like, we're back. We're officially back. <laughs> and uh, we're back, baby. And it was, and it was, it was against, it was against Missouri. Uh, my sophomore year, and uh, we ran a fake punt that uh, that I put my head down and got two, three yards out of it. I should have, you know, if if I was, you know, as lean and you know athletic as I as I am now, then if you look at the film, I probably could have busted it and been right on the punt returner, you know, and making miss on an open field tackle and gotten the end zone on a fake punt run. So yeah, we don't doubt that. <laughs> if you guys want to walk back and watch that, I mean, there's your footage for you. Oh. Gosh, that's a that's a great image. We need to we need to make sure that we can we can get a couple plays for you at quarterback. Just I don't know if you're going to be able to sneak on the field the way that you did before, but you know something kind of like that. We could we could definitely pull that off. So your, your quarterback this year, Terry Wilson. You know we we joke we call him neighbor Terry Wilson because he's got a name that your next door neighbor would have. Um, you know I, I'm sipping the Kool Aid that he's serving at his cookouts because I think he'll be asked to do a lot more in this offense this year. We've heard about you know how how much more you guys are going to throw the ball. Tell the rest of America why they should be sipping the Terry Wilson Kool-Aid. Oh, because, you know, the work ethic that kid, that Terry has. You know, I mean, the whole summer, you know, when, you know, guys can, you know, have the option to go home or, you know, everything like that. You know, Terry was in here, you know, getting extra rehab, going places to throw. But if he wasn't going places to work, he was getting his work in here, uh, here in Lexington. So, uh, just to see, you know, how bought in, you know, he is and how his leadership, uh, his leadership skills have, jumped tremendously you know since last year with him being comfortable in this in this offense knowing that you know he's the dude that makes it go so uh you know terry's done an unbelievable job for our offense does an unbelievable job you know getting guys in position uh, to make plays and he does a good job of you know putting the ball in position for guys you know to get in the end zone so um you know people should be sipping you know the terry wilson tea because you know of how hard the kids worked and you know he's going to come out and do his thing just like he's been working his whole life for yeah, especially with Lynn at receiver too. It's my my most underrated player in the conference this year. Um, I, I'm so I'm gonna be honest. I'm done with serious questions because you just seem like a, a cool ass dude. I just want to <laughs> ask some other questions here. So, um, if you could reenact the lead role in one movie ever, what would it be and why? And please God say it's Rocky Four. No, I would have to. Say, yeah, Rocky Four is a good one, but I would, I would probably, honestly, I'm a big Denzel fan. I would probably have to go with American Gangster. Or uh, oh, good okay. or good fellows. I'm a big okay. good Big good fellows. I like that. Man. That's good. Okay. Um, your best Benny Snell story. Go. Benny Snell. Oh, let's see where would I start. <laughs> Just uh, <a> Rolodex. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, I got a roll of them, but uh, I would say. Um, you know, just and this is kind of this is just kind of serious, you know. But um, whenever we get on our home games, we have to park uh, over behind our old baseball field at Cliff Hagen. We have to walk over to the uh, to the stadium, and afterwards, uh, you know, we have our guys who uh, you know can take us back to our trucks with our golf carts with with our football golf carts or whatever, and we catch right over there. And well, our freshman year, me and Benny lived in the dorms, obviously. And so the parking lot's not that far from the dorms. It's like literally 20 feet, maybe. Me and Benny just didn't want to walk. And, um, you know, he, it was his breakout game against uh, against New Mexico State or whoever we were playing that game. And, uh, you know, I just remember looking at him and I said, dude, you're about to be a superstar. And uh, he looked at me and said, you are too. So he did Dang. his thing. 
uh, he did his thing and, you know, was very, very, a very great teammate. You know, I, I miss Benny. And, uh, you know, he's tearing it up up in Pittsburgh. And, you know, we couldn't be more proud of him. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'm also going to uh, take that sound clip and, and just cut it up to and play it for myself whenever I have like, a big important day. <laughs> that I have. Right, <laughs> just there you go. <laughs> hey, man, all you got to um, do, man, like, if you need me to get you going, I don't care what time it is, just call me. I'll get you going. Done. Boom. Done. I barely want to work out today. We could we could talk about this after the interview. Um, so so your Twitter, by the way, is <laughs> FaceTime the workout. That's fine. That's we could do that. Um, okay, so your Twitter is amazing. Uh, you, like this week, you you crapped on Salt Life stickers the other day. Um, I went way back. I, I in in May you referenced one of my favorite comedians, Tom Segura, and. Why Lil Nas X is a better country artist than Florida Georgia Line in the same damn tweet. I don't know if I have a question. I just want to let you know that you're a GD American hero. Um, <laughs> but seriously, give me, give me like, give me a list right now because you have you have the best hot takes. Give me a list right now of your three to five most overrated people, places, or things, and and White Claw better not be one of them. Uh, Garth Brooks, Florida Georgia Line. Ooh. Uh, who's that one group? Uh, Dan and Shay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, they just need to change their name to, you know, whatever. But, uh, who else? Uh, I mean, any, like, pop country, Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan. Yes. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, and I would probably have to say... I, don't, I really couldn't tell you. Just any other that's, pop. That's, Taylor Swift. that's good. Taylor Swift's overrated. I, I feel like if you could, if you came out and said, because you're so likable, if you said, like, yeah, Chipotle kind of sucks, like, people would be like, oh, I would yeah, never, you know I, what? First off, I Chipotle. <laughs> okay. I <would> <laughs> All right, smart man, smart man. So, Cash, at, uh, at SEC Media Days, uh, you told the story of how you got the name Cash. Can you tell our listeners both versions of that story? Yeah, so there's a there's a cool story version of it, and then there's like, all right, that that's that sounds more reasonable story story side of it. <laughs> the cool side of it, uh, you know, is that you know my dad said that he named me after uh, Cassius Clay. If you people don't know who Cassius Clay is, he's also known as Muhammad Ali, probably the greatest. If not, he is the greatest fighter of all time, so. Uh, being from Kentucky and everything like that, that you know, just that just that's just like two and two. It just goes together. You know, that's 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 just pretty damn cool. And I was just like, wow, I believe that. But then my mom, I think I asked her when I was like thirteen or fourteen, I think. I was like, where the heck? Because we were talking about names. I think my cousin was having a child or something. We were talking about names to come up with, and I asked her about my name, and she said, well, your 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 aunt Margaret was going to name your cousin Scott Cash, and she ended up not naming him Cash, so I stole it from her. I was like, oh. Okay. Perfect. Not as cool, okay. Mom. <laughs> yeah. Way to steal, way to steal other people's ideas, Mom. Let's yeah. <laughs> um, So we do we do a segment on here called Winning and Boozing, and it's basically where like we compare teams to alcoholic drinks. So, like for instance, like I always say, Auburn is is like a, a vodka soda, but it's like a Grey Goose, but it's it's just well vodka poured in the Grey Goose because it's always this facade of them being top shelf, but they're not. Um, what would the drink of choice be for Kentucky football? 
Well, here's the thing. I don't. I don't. Uh, I, I actually quit drinking. Uh, that's one thing. Oh. That's one thing. That's actually one thing. A lot of fans that don't understand is that you know this on-field persona that I have. That's a that's an on-field persona. That's what gets me going. That's what makes me feel like a rock star, and that's how I get my confidence and juice going. But when I'm off the field. Uh, I'm actually the complete opposite of that guy. I'm, I'm a homebody. You know, I don't like to go out much. Nice. I don't drink. I um, sit around and watch Black Sabbath videos on YouTube, listen to, you know, Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> interviews, talk about, you know, the time he bit off a, of, you know, a bat's head on, on, on stage. That's right, yeah. <laughs> like, actually, like, actually cool stuff that actually matters, you know. Cool That's stuff fair. that actually matters. So, but if, if I were to, if I were to say what 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 is Kentucky football, I would just I would say you know we're a we're a tall Pilsner Miller lot, you know just just because we're we're gritty and uh, we're smooth flowing. Oh, love and, it. You know we we triple our hops and uh, you know it's, uh, it's, it's it's instead of it's instead of it's Miller time, it's Wildcat time. So we're we're here. I love it. That's perfect. Cash, that's why. Uh, that's why when uh, after the Florida win, you did bottles of water instead of bottle instead of like cans of, of Bud Light, like Stone Cold, right? Like exactly. that's that's the difference. Exactly. Right and I'll tell you one thing, dude. We need to find out whoever has been throwing Stone Cold those beers this entire time because he deserves to be in the Hall. For of Fame. real. I mean, that dude's got a better completion percentage than half those quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> And that, I mean, and, and and that's like and that's like literally putting that's like a touch ball that the co- like the quarterbacks coaches like harp on quarterbacks. So this guy was right. throwing them from stands. It's like you know what? I don't need a coach. I'm just sit here and just throw Stone Cold Steve Austin beers because I know where he wants the bread basket at. <laughs> he doesn't drop them though. That's a really good point. That's, that's a really good point. Oh gosh. All right, Cash, before we get you to Family Feud, do we have a win total prediction for this year's Kentucky squad? You said I was smart for predicting eight wins in the regular season. Is there an even smarter prediction that you have in mind? Yeah, an even smarter prediction is the next time you get asked that question, don't make a prediction. Boom. Just say, man, just say, dog, they're, they're, you know, they were pretty good last year. They lost a couple guys, but, you know, they're still pretty damn good. They still look pretty damn good. So, you know, I don't know, but I definitely wouldn't take the under. <laughs> that's all we yeah. needed. Uncle Chris approves that. of that prediction. That, that's perfect. That's spot on. We'll get you out of here with uh, with, with family feud. Marler's got some rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. It's um. So, I, it's it's not like family feud exactly. I just couldn't think of a better name, which is fine. But just rapid fire questions. You tell me the first thing that pops in your mind. Uh, we labeled this one WWE Cash at the Beach, which is one of my favorite favorite uh, pay per view wrestling events. So, are you ready to play? I'm very ready to play. Are we playing Shaw Dogs after this? What's <laughs> <laughs> I I know what that game is. We'll save that for for another time. We can save that for off. All right, we'll save we'll save that for in person. <laughs> All right, perfect. Uh, okay, we got eleven questions on here. Let's get started. It's it's primarily wrestling, Black Sabbath, and Game of Thrones theme. Here we go. First question: What's your favorite wrestling match of all time? Uh, Stone Cold versus Bret Hart, WrestleMania 13. God, I love how specific that is. That's a perfect start. Uh, if you could fight one wrestler in real life, who would it be? Santino Morella. He doesn't look like that much. He looks like a push pushover. <laughs> um, okay, okay. If Kentucky football were a wrestler, who would they be? Axe Shaw, Jim Duggett. 
Yes! God! Shut it down. We still have eight questions left, but good God, what an answer. Um, fourth question. If you had to make a tag team championship run, had to pick a partner, but he had to be from another SEC team, who would it be? Ben Cleveland from Georgia. This is incredible. Um, this might be the best round we've had so far. Uh, fifth question. What's your favorite thing about America? It's just, it's America. That's what I love about it because it's, it's freaking America. You can do whatever you want. Love that. Love that. Um, what's your favorite Black Sabbath song or go-to pump-up song to get your mind right? Uh, my favorite Black Sabbath song is probably either Into the Void, uh, Black Sabbath, or Rock and Roll Doctor. Uh, okay. And if I have to go get pumped up from a Black Sabbath song, I'm probably either going Hole in the Sky or Supernaut. You had five songs. I thought I thought War Pigs would be one of them. That's, that's still... You know a lot oh, about Black Sabbath than me, I'll say that. Hey, I, 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 trust me, like, when I go out there, like, I'm in charge of pregame, and, or not pregame, but I'm in charge of pre-practice and break music, which is nothing but Black Sabbath pre-practice, obviously. And today actually was <laughs> Warpig. Today was Warpig. That's awesome. We had, okay, good. We had, we, had, we, had, we had a little Tower Children's break, though. When I, when, I, when I call you and FaceTime you later when I have to go through leg day, I, I'll make sure that Warpig is playing in the background. <laughs> hey, but if we're, um, out, man, if we're working out for real, we got to get some five-finger death punch or, you know, kill switch and gaze going because then, then it's time to get after it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I'm, I'm a little bit fearful, but it's a healthy fear, so that's fine. Uh, okay, we have five questions. Describe the Game of Thrones final season in one word. Trash. Thank God. Okay, yeah. good. Um, what is the most ignorant take or opinion about Kentucky football? Uh, that we're just a basketball school. Love it. Yep. Spot on. Uh, last three. What's the weirdest thing you've ever autographed? Please say a baby. Uh, I was about to say a newborn baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't do a it. A newborn too. Specific. Like, I, I, like, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. They wanted me to sign the skin of a newborn baby and that's and that's how loyal and slash crazy you know our, our fans are but i just i couldn't pull the trigger on it. i'm like hey you know i don't have a i don't have a form to sign here saying i'm not gonna get sued right you know, stuff like that so i'm just trying to play football i don't need all that extra stuff like that. that's fair um what's uh what's is there one game that you have circled the most on the 2019 season calendar we got all of them circled, man. Every game is just as important to us as the one before, the one ahead. So uh, we're looking forward to playing everybody we play, you know, and try to win every game we can. That's good, Coach Speak. Pretty, I had a, I had a run in with all of all of Florida Twitter yesterday, so I was hoping you were going to say Florida. Um, last question. Last question. I have a corgi named Queso Corgavailoa. If I get another dog, do I have your permission to name him Cash Spaniel? If it's a cocker spaniel. Yeah, man, absolutely. I better tell you, I mean, that's a pretty cool one. I could probably come up with like two or three cooler ones, but yeah, if you want to name them after me, that's fine. <laughs> I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty good, but the, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You got to sign his, you got to autograph his body, though. <laughs> I don't know about that one. I ain't got your ass to me for that. <laughs> Marla, did we get a, did, did Cash get a high score? I think he did. Uh, yeah, so we've, we've had some high scores before. We've had, usually it's on a, a scale of one to a hundred. Cash, I'm gonna say right now, you, you you scored 169 points. You are the you are oh, the nice. all time leader on this, nice. on this game. What was my score again? <laughs> 169. Nice, nice. 
Oh gosh! On that note, Cash, this has been a, a lot of fun, man. We uh, we wish you the best of luck. We look forward to to following your progress uh, each and every week. Uh, be well, and hopefully, we'll get to do this again mid season, man. Absolutely, man. You guys take care. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, man. Keep Appreciate it. Work, take bro. it easy. See you guys. Appreciate Cash for for coming on. We don't we don't get current SEC players come on the podcast very much. I've realized We've that. never had that. I mean, we haven't in since we've been doing this. Yeah. We, yeah, have we? Yeah, I guess just former players and current coaches, though. That's mm-hmm. which is also not an easy thing to do. But somebody like Cash, of course, we had to we had to get him to come on. Um, I don't know if Cash Daniel eats Texas Pete. I assume he eats Texas Pete. Sure, he drinks it for a workout. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, guys, yeah, Cash Cash brought the heat on that interview, like he always does. And I tell you, who's gonna be bringing the heat this fall? Half of Auburn's defense, obviously, from Booby Whitlow's comments. But also, Texas Pete, guys, uh, each and every weekend, you guys know how I spend my Saturdays. I wake up like it's Christmas morning. I get real excited and sing the college game day theme song as loud as I can. And then I start my strict, strict diet, which involves a lot of elbow grease and a lot of Texas Pete. Yeah, again, I told you last week you could put it on anything. You, I put a potato salad. Yep. Connor, what's the best way to start your day? Eggs, avocados. I was going to say a shower, a shower, but yeah, that's another way to do it. After that, you shower post workout. There you go. Fair enough. And listen, this—it's functional for anything on game day. If you want to add some flavor, like you said, to your avocado toast, because you're a millennial. If you want to add some flavor to your fried chicken or grilled chicken or whatever. If you don't have any pre-workout, pour some Texas Pete somewhere on your tongue. Boom! It's going to wake you up, get it going. If you can't stand the Pete, stay out of the kitchen, y'all. Head to Texas Pete. Dot com slash tailgating for great tailgating tips. Uh, we are excited to partner with Texas Pete this season. That is all. All right. That was good. That was really good. Yeah. Um, I'm feel, I am feel like we should get Tommy O'Rourke for a, a oh, weekly man. Texas <laughs> Pete. Just a quick little, Roy. bye, Texas Pete. Yeah. With, with his accent, of Roy. course. That would be, oh, that'd be fantastic. Fourth and wrong time. We had leftovers from the other day, so you didn't even have to ask questions. I so I posted it. Work, I, right? I thought I posted it in the in the Facebook group, and then I couldn't I couldn't find it anywhere. So I guarantee what happened is I wrote the question out and then just got distracted and never hit post. So this is why you need to stop writing things down and just type everything out. Probably so. Probably so. Um, anyway, so let's move on to fourth and wrong. Each and every week, I forget to ask you guys questions of what <laughs> of what questions or advice that you want answered. Um, thank you guys so much for all of the all of the submissions. They were really good. Uh, so your first question from Jamie Spence: What is your favorite dessert of all time? My birthday every year. It's simple oh. devil's food chocolate cake, man. Devil's Just- food. Yeah, it's like the devil's food chocolate cake. Like you buy the the, the pre mixed thing from the store. Um, Wait, like with is that the is is devil's food? It's a the brand. One? Okay, I, th- I thought it was devil's. It's food. not like a real thing. Like food from the devil. Like, no, where, I know that. But the, that? There's like some like weight loss thing that's like all right, half the calories. It's like is it? And I want to say it was called uh, devil's food or something like that. Like devil's food cake. You yeah. That? Maybe no, I just didn't understand yeah. what it was. Um, yeah, maybe. That sounds good. But it's money in the bank. My mom made it for me all the time growing up. Um, Wife makes it for me now. It's can't beat it. Can't beat it. Look forward to it every single year. That that and Moose Tracks ice cream. Ooh, if you ever had Moose Tracks Moose Tracks ice cream, that's like I, I could I could probably eat. Well, I could eat that probably every day for the rest of my life and be happy. You that's, won't. We'll just say that you won't. I won't. But I, I wish I kind of could. Um, I so I would say I'm a, a big chunky monkey ice cream guy. But uh, my favorite favorite dessert. 
it, it's like anytime you cut a brownie, like a hot brownie with some ice cream Ooh. on top, that's that's Ooh. my go-to, man. That is, oh man. So again, I hate to keep bringing up like Houston's, but they used to be, we used to have they they started calling them brownie bites because when you would cook all the brownies, they do it at once, right in the morning for like the whole rest of the day, and then you'd have the outside edge of this pan that was then put near the like like where you wash the dishes, but it wasn't wet or anything. So I would just cut up all those crusts, have myself a ball. So I, I just realized your death row meal is Houston's chicken fingers <laughs> with Houston's brownies. As long as it's half off, I get an employee discount. No, it just, I just but a brownie in general, a brownie with some nuts in it and some and vanilla ice cream. Oh God, that's good. How, um, do, you, how do you feel about blondies though? So what is a blondie? Is that caramel that's, or something involved? Or, or like a brookie, which is a, a brownie cookie. Oh, brookie is deal. stupid. I don't like that at all. That makes me mad. What? I don't like brookie because I don't. You know, no, I'm a big good. pun guy, and brookie's just not a good job. I don't like that. I don't like that pun. I don't know what they could have done better, but it's just. And the brookies they have at Publix are like split down the middle. They're they're not like a combination. They're anyway. I'm very passionate. Can we agree real real quick? Can we agree that Rocky Road is super overrated? No, remember we already tried this. I like Rocky Road. Oh, gosh. All right, move on to the next one before um, I get too upset. When you started to say, can we agree, I was going to already tell you no. But uh, So the next question here is from Michael Drake. He said, would you guys come in as guest speakers when I teach my middle school students sex ed? I'm terrified oh. to do it on my own. You think you're scared? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, my- I, I should be sitting in the back of the class learning all this stuff with your students. Wow, the Connor, geez. Um, that, is, that is an honest take. Uh Here's the thing, Mike. I don't know if you want Uncle Chris coming into a room uh, with a bunch of kids talking about sex, man. I just, I don't, and Connor, well, you know, maybe, honestly, your kids need to come on the podcast and tell us about, because kids are so advanced these days, and Connor obviously just outed this very odd thing to say. Just not, I, my, my knowledge on the subject is not good enough to be able to teach. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. What was the life of uh, Mean Girls and the guys trying to teach sex ed? He's like, don't have sex, because you will get chlamydia and die. Um, so that's yeah. Just I wouldn't go th- pass that along. My teaching Michael. wouldn't go that extreme, but it would just be yeah. It would basically be a lot of blank stares and me just standing up there the whole time, like, hey, yep. so is it? Is it been an hour yet? Yeah. So what do you guys want to talk about now? Um, moving on. This is this was a little bit easier. I think it's more up our alley. From Mike Swick, uh, band that has had the most had the biggest influence on your life. That's tough, man. That's really tough. Sex pistols. Um, is it? Is it really? No. <laughs> oh, okay. What's What's yours? That'll trigger my my memory. The here. biggest impact on my life or influence on my life, it's either naked and famous or churches, and um, they're they're pretty similar in like their style, but like they're they're just really good bands that I feel like I hate to sound like such a emotional millennial, but um, like they they just have like very good lyrics and they they got me through a lot. I'll say that. I was expecting Taking Back Sunday from you. Oh my God, I love Taking Back Sunday, man. Taking Back Sunday is the only way I got through my senior year of high school. That's a, that's real. That's deep cuts right yeah. there. Just emotional times. I, I don't know. I mind, like, to be honest, because my, my music tastes have changed so much that I'd probably all say right, like that. I'm Zach talking about all, all the all, time. Of all your the life, time. <laughs> I'd, probably, I'd probably say. Probably Zach Brown Band, just because they were my my introduction into country music. That's what my family started listening to a lot of. It's produced a lot of great, awesome times with my family in the last ten years yeah. or so. Uh, that's that was like my little my my gateway into it, where I first I first heard them, heard a little chicken fried, heard some yeah. you know some toes in the water, and then I was like, oh Jesus. man, I can do this, I can do this. Um, so yeah, that, that probably Zach Brown Band. Um, yeah, all right, that's good. I like that. Who who's been? If you would have said Four Georgia Line, I would have I would have 
slam my own Some FGL. Up. By the way, did you like that? I slipped that in there in the last episode. I, I originally had Brenton Cox crosses the Florida-Georgia line. If For those of you who downloaded right away, you probably saw that. But I changed the title so that it could fit Dari Noka interview because a little peel behind the onion here. You can only have 100 characters when you make a, a title for a podcast, and I was too long. That's so, just anyway. the Lord. That's the Lord intervening on that one. That was terrible. <laughs> um Last question, who's been the greatest mentor or biggest influencer in your life? Michael Simmons. And this is, I feel like we might have even discussed this before, but I, I, I feel like it's necessary today. Um, I actually had a, a professor at Indiana where I went to school, uh, Terry Hutchins, who actually passed away this past December, got into a car accident, which is like really, really tough. All yeah. those who were in the Indiana media community knew of him. He was like sports writer of the year in the state of Indiana for like 20, 30 years, wow. but taught the most influential class that I ever had in college. Actually, I felt like he like taught me how to write. Yeah. I mean, really, all the sports writing that we got to do in his class gave me a lot of different peel behind the onion type of opportunities where I could sit in on him doing a story. Uh, he was fantastic. I, I would not be sitting here talking about SEC football today without Terry Hutchins. I was just going to say Florida Twitter for me. Um, Florida Georgia Live. No, I, so I think, uh, let's see, biggest mentor influencer besides my therapist? I, I got to say, uh, no, all jokes aside, it's my mom. It's guaranteed. She's actually coming in town today and selling Patty the house Sue. I grew up in. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things like where I, I talk about her a decent amount, and, and you guys all know how, how great she is, but she's just such an incredible person. And I've, I've told her story, but single mom, raising me to where she and where she was able to get to professionally in her career, especially as a woman, and it was just, she just did so much, so many things that I didn't, and sacrificed so much for me growing up that I didn't even realize until, because I was a kid, and just, you know, it's like, you just, you don't understand like how, how great those things are. And, and I tell you what, there's there's a lot of things there's a lot of things that are important in life, but having unconditional love from somebody is, is I think, the top for me. And I, she's just Oof. the absolute best. So, Dang, you went there. I, I love it. And she, you you are now teaching her things. You are influencing her life on Twitter, she's being able to post those, Dude, like, the dope memes. She's, she's got all of them not, from both accounts. She's, she, she's a pastor, so she's posting a lot about, about like, religious stuff. And, and so, but, like, whether you think good or bad about that, the memes she's making are legit. I don't know. Like, I'm I'm proud of her. I'm just I'm I'm very proud of her in general. But she's she's a fantastic woman. That was good. That was heartfelt. We got we we, we got a little deep on this podcast. We did. I like it. Um, let's let's get a little bit shallow here. Uh, it might mean too much. StubHub announced some very interesting ticket sales numbers. So the SEC is first in ticket sales numbers on just on StubHub for the first time since they began tracking in 2014, That's start of the crazy. playoff era. Yeah, very surprising. Did not expect to hear that, but there is just in the Midwest in general, there is a lot of people, and they have the that's why all the spring game attendance and stuff and all that that usually favors the Big Ten. Whatever, that's neither here nor there. But the SEC has the top four games on the StubHub market for this upcoming season. Top top four most requested games. Number one, LSU Texas get in price three hundred fifty eight bucks. You're sitting in the worst seat in the house. I actually thought it was it would be a little bit worse. I bet it will be a little bit worse uh, as that game nears. Yeah. Number two, Notre Dame at Georgia. Number three, Florida against Miami in Orlando. Sick brag, not paying a penny for that seat. Boom. <laughs> uh, number four, uh, Auburn against Oregon in Dallas. So the SEC, yes, 
We talk about college football attendance declining. Some of them actually said their, their ticket sales were up like 10% last year. That could just be people are resorting to the secondary market as opposed yeah. to buying them through a team a little bit more. But at the same time, that just kind of shows you, yeah, I mean, as much as that's been an off-season storyline, people still care, and these games are still going to draw huge, huge ratings. But is it up 10% because of sales or, or fees that they added at the end of those, those Ooh, things? That's Sick fair. burn, stub hub. Um, no, it's like... I, this is this is cool. I'm surprised that Auburn Oregon is so low, because that seems like like the biggest marquee matchup. But I guess at the same time, like actually no, I'm, fly. I'm, I'm thinking I'm thinking first weekend. Yeah, you got to fly, and then that you know I'm wrong. That is not the most. That's not the best marquee matchup. This Florida Miami this this Florida Miami game is going to be awesome. Um, it's going to be great. I so I was surprised. There's a lot of my uh, friends that believe it or not, friends that are Florida fans are going to the game and, and like. I was shocked that the tickets were so expensive because I think Florida's going to wax Miami. But um, that that Notre Dame Georgia one that that's going to be the the get in price for that's going to skyrocket. I need to see how many Notre Dame fans actually get into Sanford Stadium for that because obviously, like so much was made about the 2017 matchup where Georgia bought up all these. That tickets. was awesome. Yeah, that was really really cool to see, and I I would not expect Notre Dame fans to make the same sort of trip just because they. I mean, last year they they had like their four. In the final month of the season, they basically went from coast to coast like twice. Those they, fans have to spend it. in the Diehard Stadium and then San Diego for, for yeah. a rivalry game against Navy. Yeah, which is bananas to do, especially in November. Yeah. But um, anyways, yeah, so I wouldn't expect Notre Dame fans to show up the same way that Georgia fans did for that one. I, but, I will say, I, that, you know what, I may be looking forward to this game more than any other one this season because watching Notre Dame get beat is always fun. But if they do a blackout and they get beat... Let's close you love a good blackout, man. You really do. I'm going to be blackout for that game. Am I right, boys? <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding, guys. Mom, sorry. Uh, I, I, I meant that in, in every context possible. <laughs> we um, know. <laughs> make sure that you join our Facebook group, Saturday Down South Podcast on Facebook. We can't say the the anymore. Thanks a lot, Ohio State. Ruin that. Um, leave us a five-star review. Don't have any new five-star reviews to get to. Make sure that you leave us one with compliment. You can use the word the as many times as you want. We we're not even going to stop you. We're that nice yeah. of people. And I'll say, I'll say real quick on that on that note. If you leave a five star review, send send me personally a screenshot of the five star review. We'll see it, but like you, let me know it was you that said it, and I will send a free sticker of your choice, your team choice, Ooh. immediately because and not because we're just doing it for like a special reason but it's um yeah look at that whole damage control thing I, I, i'm worried about all the things i said so please <laughs> leave a five-star review i'm trying to do right by y'all yeah uh, make sure that you watch facebook live monday nights at 8 30 p.m is that still the plan for next week as well i did we did wednesday both the past two weeks it's just gonna be monday in the season it's just it's gonna be monday during the season yeah. bachelor in paradise is impacting yeah we know we know um, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Saturday Down South. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod at C Marler SDS no. at C J O'Gara. Oh yeah, by the way, it's the wrong. Your, you your give Twitter me the wrong Twitter handle. Okay, well, just type in Chris Marler and you'll find you. you it's Vern Funquist, y'all. Vern Funquist. Is it going to be like that for the entire season? Oh, without a doubt. The Blue Check Brigade is not going to like that. No, the Blue Check Brigade waved bye bye to me a long time ago, and you know what? They're missing out on the content, not me. <laughs> Uh, Coach O, we, we know that you, uh, you're you getting really involved in the defensive line. Do you have a, a quick quick moment to uh, wish us a farewell for the rest of the week? I'm going to see you in Smashville. Cold week for now. You going to come up? You going to come oh, I'll up? Be I'll be there. We'll do some karaoke.
Talk to you next week.